Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Teacher Talk with Zach Clancy. I'm Zach Clancy. Each week, we'll be exploring a topic in education. This week, we'll be looking at personal learning networks that classroom teachers often develop and cultivate via digital technology, like podcasts, like this one you're listening to, and also on social media, social media via things like Twitter. So anyway, we'll be looking at the reasons why teachers are attracted to personalized learning and uh, what they actually get out of it. Um, the next topic on the agenda is curriculum theory and critical theorists. Uh, and so I'm going to be looking at the contributions made to education by George Counts and Harold Rugg, who were social reconstructionists in the field of curriculum studies. We'll also be looking at critical theorists Michael Apple and Henry Garreau, in addition to uh, Christine Sleeter and Jamie Stillman, who are curriculum theorists as well. And um, they look at academic standards in relation to social justice. Um, and so if you've been following season two of Teacher Talk closely, you'll know that uh, social justice is something that I touched down on the, in this episode and that it's also something that um, I want to write my dissertation about. Um, I'm also taking a social justice class this semester, so that probably has you know a lot to do with where this social justice influence is coming from. But with that said, you know, I, I have participated in social justice retreats and, uh, you know, stuff of that nature well before taking this class. So, you know, social justice was something that's, uh, you know, been in my mind and, and kind of in my heart, you know, for a while now. Um, but anyway, this episode um, that I'm talking to you about now, it's, uh, you know, it's going to incorporate some of the things that I've already discussed this season, you know, so it's kind of cool. It's going to touch back. It's going to be a little bit of a callback to previous episodes this season. Um, so that's the good news. This is a good news, bad news situation. I didn't tell you that ahead of time, but it is. So that was the good news. The bad news is that unfortunately, uh, this episode that I'm describing to you is not going to be available today. Uh, the good news, I guess, is that it, it will be a two-parter. So uh, next month we'll be, uh, you know, doing parts one and part two of this episode. Uh, with that said, um, today we are going to be rerunning a classic episode from season one about Nelson Goodman and Project Zero. But before we do that, it's time for this week's Collaboration Corner shout-out. And once again, this week's shout-out goes to friend of the show, Oscar Silo Stanton, producer of Teachers Talk Live, which, uh, if you aren't aware, that is a weekly web show on Google Hangouts. Um, and each week, Oscar moderates a discussion about hot topics in education with a panel of expert teachers and administrators. And uh, I was on last week's show. The topic of discussion was different learning styles. I spoke briefly about multiple intelligences and uh, Howard Gardner and that theory, which is another topic that I tackled in season one of Teacher Talk with Zach Clancy Live. Um, definitely feel free to check that out if you haven't checked it out already. Um, anyway, like I said, Teachers Talk Live is a weekly episode, and this week's episode is going to be about bullying in higher grades in secondary education, so bullying in high school, basically. Um, 
You can check it out. The links to it are available at teachcow.com. And uh, Oscar's also on Twitter at teachcow. Um, and as always, I'll link to it in this week's show notes, along with my contact information and any references that I cite in this episode. So first, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Nelson Goodman, and then I'll tell you about Project Zero's backstory. And then we'll discuss some more of the past and present research conducted by people at Project Zero that I think could be helpful to K-12 educators. So, according to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, Henry Nelson Goodman was born on August 7, 1906, in Somerville, Massachusetts. In the early 1920s, he enrolled at Harvard University, and he graduated from Harvard in 1928. It took him, however, 12 more years until he finished his Ph.D. in 1941. There are several possible reasons for the lateness of his Ph.D. Maybe the most important was that Goodman was Jewish, and therefore not eligible for a graduate fellowship at Harvard. He had to work outside the university to finance his studies. From 1928 until 1940, Goodman worked as the director of the Walker Goodman Art Gallery at Copley Square in Boston. This interest and activity in the art world is more frequently cited as a reason for the lateness of his Ph.D. After military service, Goodman taught briefly as instructor of philosophy at Tufts College and was then hired as associate professor from 1946 to 1951 and later as full professor from 1951 to 1964 at the University of Pennsylvania. He served briefly as Harry Austrian Wilson Professor of Philosophy at Brandeis University from 1964 to 1967, before finally returning to Harvard in 1968, where he taught philosophy until 1977. At Harvard, he founded Project Zero, unquote. So as you can see, Goodman had a background in philosophy, but he also had a significant interest in art. And importantly, that interest in art would influence his work at Project Zero, uh, which is interesting. You know, it sort of parallels Suni Sabado Makaguchi and Kurt Hahn. You know, they had events in their early childhood that would significantly shape their contributions to education. Um, and, you know, if you're interested in learning more about that, uh, the Kurt Hahn is episode one. And the Makaguchi episode is number six. But anyway, according to the Project Zero website, quote, In 1967, Nelson Goodman put together an interdisciplinary team of scholars and educators at the Harvard Graduate School of Education to explore how children and adults learn in and through the arts. Goodman believed there was a lack of demonstrable knowledge about the topic, and thus the research organization Project Zero was born. It was a generative, if provocative, starting place. In the intervening decades, they have continued to investigate learning and the arts, and their work has expanded to include investigations into the nature of intelligence, understanding, thinking, creativity, and other essential aspects of human learning. Over the years, they have conducted dozens of major research initiatives, published numerous books and countless articles and reports, collaborated with hundreds of schools, museums, and other partners, and worked with thousands of educators around the world, unquote. 
So one of Project Zero's past research projects that really interests me was a project called Project Spectrum, which ran from 1984 to 1993. And according to the Project Zero website, Project Spectrum, quote, offers an alternative approach to assessment and curriculum development for the preschool and early primary years, unquote. It goes on to say that, quote, work is based on the belief that each child exhibits a distinctive profile of different abilities or spectrum of intelligences. These intelligences are not fixed. Rather, they can be enhanced by educational opportunities, such as an environment rich in stimulating materials and activities. The spectrum approach emphasizes identifying children's areas of strength and using this information as the basis for an individualized education program." Unquote. So the project had two different parts with distinctive goals. In the first phase of the project, which went from 1984 to 1988, the goal of the project was to, quote, determine whether distinctive intellectual strengths could be identified and assessed in children as young as four years old. Spectrum researchers designed assessment activities in seven different domains of knowledge, language, math, music, art, social understanding, science, and movement. These assessments are embedded in meaningful hands-on activities, such as playing a bus game, telling a story with a storyboard, taking part in assembling meat grinders, unquote. So that was the first phase. It was sort of about developing the concepts. The second phase of the project, which went from 1988 to 1993, involved actual implementation. And so at this time, Spectrum researchers, quote, worked in public schools in Somerville and Roxbury, Massachusetts, to address the needs of children who were slightly older, kindergarten through 12th grade, including those at risk for school failure. During this time, work included developing a modified field inventory using a subset of the original assessment activities, in addition to designing learning center activities that help children develop key abilities in the eight domains that I mentioned earlier, as well as adapting the Spectrum framework for a children's museum and creating a mentorship program based on the Spectrum approach in an inner-city elementary school, unquote. So those are the two parts of the research. And according to the Project Zero website, quote, the Spectrum approach can be used in a variety of ways as an alternative assessment technique, as a set of engaging curriculum activities, or as a powerful component for intervention programs. In a broad sense, Spectrum provides a theoretical framework that can help to bring about important changes in the understanding of children's growth, appreciation of children's strength, and the creation of an optimal educational atmosphere for children learning, unquote. So I think that's kind of interesting. As you can see, this is something that has been tried with earlier elementary schoolers, and it's been used for intervention programs. Um, I'll link to their information in the show notes, and if you're interested in getting more information and or teaching materials related to the project, you can definitely check it out. And I'd recommend it because I can definitely see this being helpful in elementary special ed settings or perhaps in um, inner city areas. Um, you know, just to name places that I've worked at where I think this type of thing could have been helpful. So anyway, another research project that interests me is called the Apple Project which stands for Assessing Projects and Portfolios for Learning. And according to Project Zero, the Apple Project was a, quote, research and development effort focusing on studying effective ways of assessing student performances, 
fair documentation and assessment of children's work on series projects, and determining how best to implement portfolio assessment in schools, unquote. And so I think this is really interesting. It's pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of research that shows that there's more student buy-in and students retain knowledge better when they're assessed with project-based portfolios as opposed to being assessed with standardized tests. Uh, and this is important because many, if not most states in the U.S. are now evaluating or considering evaluating teachers based on student academic growth. And in lots of states, including Colorado where I'm based, part of that assessment has to do with PARC or Common Core test scores. But in Colorado and some other states as well, there's multiple components to what a school has to look at when they're determining if a teacher has demonstrated academic growth among their students or not. Um, and Colorado is one of those states where there has to be multiple measures. And one of the approved measures is a student portfolio that shows examples of student work over the course of a semester or a school year. And ideally, you know, if students are growing, academically speaking, there's going to be an improvement in the quality of work in that portfolio, you know. And the argument is that it gives a more in-depth picture of what the student has learned as opposed to a standardized test, you know, which basically just provides a snapshot of where a student was, academically speaking, at the time they took the test. You know, it doesn't show any change over time. Um, and that's what portfolios can do. Um, so this is definitely something that could be helpful to K-12 teachers and maybe other teachers around the country as well, depending on you know, the requirements of your state. Um, so I'll also link to that in the show notes. Anyway, those are just two Project Zero's many past research projects that I think could be helpful for K-12 teachers. Um, if you're interested in reading about more about these projects or about some of Project Zero's past other projects, you can find that information also in the show notes. But now we're going to move over and talk about Project Zero's current research projects that I think could be helpful for K-12 teachers. So the first one I want to talk about is called Agency by Design. It's looking at making centered learning, which is a concept that might not be super familiar to people who aren't teachers. It might not even be super familiar to teachers, but I think it's something we can all wrap our heads around. So according to the website, quote, educational initiatives that emphasize making, design, engineering, and tinkering are gaining traction in schools and organizations across the country. While making centered learning is not a new concept, Recent and emerging trends suggest a new kind of hands-on pedagogy, a pedagogy that encourages community and a collaboration, a do-it-together mentality. Distributed teaching, boundary crossing, and responsive and flexible pedagogy, unquote. Um, and so just as a side note, pedagogy is one of those terms that listeners who teach will probably understand, but I know that people who aren't teachers sometimes don't know what this word means. So just so we're all on the same page, pedagogy just means a method or practice of teaching. So everyone who teaches has their own pedagogy. Um, you know, it could be something that they were taught or something that they developed on their own or, you know, some combination of those two, usually. Um, anyway, the website goes on to say that Agency by Design is a multi-year research initiative 
investigating the promises, practices, and pedagogies of maker-centered learning experiences. Their work is guided by three questions. How do maker educators in the field think about the benefits and outcomes of maker learning experiences? What are the, some of the key characteristics of environments in which maker-centered learning thrives? And what kinds of educational initiatives can be developed that support thoughtful reflection around maker-centered learning and the made dimensions of our world, unquote. It concludes by stating, quote, through investigations across these three strains of research, Agency by Design hopes to contribute to a growing understanding of the educational side of the maker and the kinds of values, skills, and capacities believed to be nurtured by maker-centered learning, unquote. So I see this as something that can be useful for K-12 teachers. In Colorado and in other states across the country, state legislatures are requiring that schools start to expand the skills that they teach to students. And a lot of times they're called 21st century skills or life and career skills, and they include things like critical thinking, collaborating, problem solving, creativity. And I feel like the research that Agency by Design is conducting could be beneficial for K-12 educators who want to teach these 21st century skills to their students. And I'll talk more about that in a second once I talk about the next research project because they're both similar. Uh, anyway, the last research project that I want to talk about today is called Learning to Think, Thinking to Learn. And I feel like this research that comes out of this project could also be used to help K-12 educators who want to teach 21st century skills to their students. Uh, because as the website explains, quote, this project is part of the Worldwide Cultures of Thinking project and aims to develop the ability of students at Mandela International Magnet School in Santa Fe, New Mexico, as thinkers and learners. To accomplish this, the project draws on the extensive research of Project Zero related to thinking, learning, and teaching for understanding. This includes the work of Ron Richtart on promoting thinking through the use of thinking routines and by helping teachers to establish a classroom culture that supports thinking, unquote. So again, you know, we see research that looks into critical thinking, you know, those things that are definitely identified as 21st century skills. So it probably goes without saying at this point, but I'll link to agencies by design and learning to think, thinking to learn in the show notes so that if you're interested, you can learn more about the projects highlighted in this week's episode. So there we have it. That's Nelson Goodman and Project Zero in a nutshell. I look forward to hearing your feedback about this episode. Which project did you think was the most interesting? Is there a specific project you think could help you teach? Do you have any suggestions for future episodes? Send your answers my way, along with any other questions or comments you might have, to teachertalkwithzachclancy.com. You can also reach me at teachertalkwzc at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at teachertalkwzc and Facebook at teachertalkwithzachclancy. That's all for this episode. I'm Zach Clancy. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.